This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. The freedom comes from what Christ said. Come unto me instead of come unto the traditions. He says, I'll give you rest instead of traditions will give you weariness. He says, learn of me instead of learning about all the tradition rules. He says, I am meek and lowly instead of rabbis are proud and high. He says, you'll find rest unto your souls instead of you'll find more and more harder rules that to follow. He says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light instead of Judaism observance is hard and the load of traditions is heavy. That's the contrast. So in order to guard against the disease that the rabbis had, which is to be seen of men, Christ said, develop a secret life. Develop a secret life in Matthew 6, 1. Matthew 6, 1. Here's the secret life. Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou doest alms, let not your left hand know what your right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret. Thy father would see in the secret, he shall reward you openly. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut the door, pray to thy father which is in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Now he speaks about, in verse five here, this instance where it says, they make broad their phylacteries. The phylacteries are called tefillin, tefillot and tefillin. And tefillin consists of, maybe you've seen them. How many have seen them? Okay, tefillin consists of two leather boxes 
with portions of scripture in it, and attached to each of the boxes are leather straps for attaching the box. So one of the leather boxes is strapped on the head between the eyes, above the eyes, between the eyes, and the other leather box is on the upper arm over the muscle here of the right arm, and the straps are wrapped all the way down to the hand, and the straps there are just to hold it on there. My father used to put on to fill in. Father used to put on tefillin, it was very important for him that before he died, that he should go to the Wailing Wall in Israel and put his tefillin on, which he did. The use of tefillin comes from Exodus 13.9, Exodus 13.9, where God said, it shall be for a sign unto thee upon thine hand and for a memorial between thine eyes, that the Lord's law may be in thy mouth and with a strong hand hath the Lord brought thee out of Egypt. And from Deuteronomy 6.6, Deuteronomy 6.6, Deuteronomy 6.4 is the Shema, Deuteronomy 6.6 says, and these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, thou shalt teach them diligently unto the children and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes and thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates, the so-called mezuzah. So in our company at Takati, we have a lot of Bible verses all over the place. And so one time there was a group of medical school doctors and a dean from a medical school which came to tour our company and the dean said to us, are you a church or a company, he, she said. <laughs> I, said uh, I said, we are a company that does business. And I said, and after that I put up this verse in Deuteronomy, where it says in Deuteronomy 11:18, Deuteronomy 11:18. therefore you shall lay up these words in your heart and they'll be in, shall be in, in your soul and shall bind them for a sign upon your hand that they shall be as frontless between your eyes. And then it goes on to say, and upon the gates which is the place, the gates of the cities where business was done, that's the business place. So I said, so we're just doing what the Bible says, we're putting them up there in the gates of this business. I don't know if she understood or not, I don't care. Anyway, I wanna read to you from a class book of, for Jewish youth. This is a class book for Jewish youth and it reads this way. Every boy, three months before he attains the age of 13, commences to make use of the tefillin which must be worn at least during the time of the morning prayers. The ordinance of the tefillin is one of the signs of the covenant existing between the Almighty and ourselves that we may continually bear in mind the miracles of God wrought forefathers. So this is taught at a very early age, this practice. Very strong push for the, to wear the tefillin, especially among the Chabad people. As a matter of fact, that's one of their evangelical uh, pushes is to get other Jews to put on tefillin. If you go to Tel Aviv airport, there'll be a booth there of the Chabad people, and if you're Jewish, they're gonna say, come over here, you wanna put on tefillin, you should put on tefillin. Very strong push. I still remember going through the security line in LAX, in Los Angeles airport. There was an Orthodox uh, man in front of me, and when he opened his bag for the checkers there at the security, there was a set of tefillin, and I commented on it, and then he knew I was Jewish. So right there, after security, he starts to pressure me to put on the tefillin. Right there, the stuff comes out of the x-ray, means I should put on the tefillin. And I remember also going to a Hasidic wedding one time in Brooklyn, and some men came up to me and, and they said, uh, you should put on the tefillin. 
and I told him that I really do want to keep God's word in front of my eyes and on my hand, but I don't want to engage in the tradition of the tefillin. And there was so much pressure that they said, the bride and the bridegroom are insisting that you put on the tefillin. I told them, you tell the bride and the bridegroom, I'm not going to put on the tefillin. (laughs) So Christ described the rabbis as making their leather straps on their tefillin broader than the normal one so they could be seen of putting on the tefillin. And then Christ talked about the rabbis enlarging the borders of their garments. Now, this is referring to tassels or fringes called tzitzit. Tzitzit, which you see today are white, and the basis comes from Numbers 15.38. Numbers 15.38, speak unto the children of Israel and bid them that they make fringes in the borders of their garments throughout their generations, and they put upon the fringe of the borders a ribbon of blue, and it shall be unto you for a fringe that you may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them, and you seek not after your own heart or and your own eyes, which use you go a whoring, that you remember and do all the commandments and be holy unto your God. For I am the Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. So in that passage I just read to you, there's only one color that seats seats, and it's the color of blue. That's what's referred to in the Bible. But the rabbis have substituted that for white. You ask, why did they substitute it for white? I'll tell you, I don't know. (laughs) But they did. And the color of the blue has been abandoned by rabbinical, so it's white. So the rabbis have also added that the proper way to make the tzitzit is to, it has to be made up of six, with 613 threads. Not 612, not 614, but 613. Why? Because they believe there are 613 commandments in the Bible. I'll quote to you again from the Jewish class book for students, the class book for students reads, every male of the Jewish nation must wear a garment, not usually an undergarment, made of four corners having fringes fixed on each corner. These fringes are called tzitzits, or memorial fringes. In the synagogue during the morning prayers, a scarf with fringes attached to it is worn, which is called a talus, scarf or veil. These memorial fringes typically point out the 613 precepts contained in the volume of the sacred law. That's by their role. They are also intended to remind us of the goodness of the Almighty in having delivered our forefathers from the slavery in Egypt. It's likely that Christ wore tzitzit. It's likely. And this was likely what the woman touched when it talks about her touching the hem of his garment in Matthew 9.20, Matthew 9.20, behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood 12 years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. Now, Christ said that the Pharisees, the Sadducees, love to have the chief priests in verse six, the chief seats in verse six in the synagogues, which Tevye also referred to when he's saying, if I was a rich man, and he says, if I were rich, I'd have the time that I like, lack to sit in the synagogue and pray, and maybe have a seat by the eastern wall. And I discuss the holy books with the learned men several hours every day. That would be the sweetest thing of all. Oi, <laughs> if I was a rich man, yeah, so forth. Okay, maybe have a seat by the eastern wall. 
That's what Christ referred to. They loved the chief seats in the synagogues. And then Christ said that, and so it's obvious here in the next thing he's talking about in verse seven, that Christ observed the rabbis when they went into the markets as they strolled through the marketplace and people would come up to them and address them, rabbi, rabbi, and they loved that because that was the time when they were acknowledged for being the great rabbi. Like in Daniel 4.30, Daniel 4.30, King Nebuchadnezzar, the king spake and said, is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of my kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? This being called rabbi, rabbi, was like, again, like Tevye sang in, in, in Field on the Roof, he says, the most important men in town would come to fawn on me they would ask me to advise them like a Solomon the wise. If you please, Rabbi Tevya, pardon me, Rabbi Tevya, posing problems that would cross a rabbi's eyes. And it wouldn't make one bit of difference if I answer right or wrong. <laughs> when you're rich, they think you really know. So anyway. So they love, if you please, Rabbi Tevya, pardon me, Rabbi Tevya, love. And Christ now then in verse eight gives his disciples a lesson in humility. Literally, this reads, but when it says there, but being ye called rabbis, literally this reads, but ye, be ye not called rabbi. There's a very insidious, Underlying meaning to the term rabbi, which is subtle and wrong. It's wrong to call another human being rabbi. It's wrong, and I'll tell you why. It's very important to understand the word rabbi. It's very important to understand the meaning of the word rabbi. It's very important to understand where the word rabbi is, comes from. Rabbi comes from the Hebrew word rav or rabbah. And Rav or Rabbah means great. So literally, the word rabbi means my great one. And you will not find the word rabbi in the Old Testament. You won't. Literally, when you call a person rabbi, you are saying to that person, oh, my great one. And for this reason, Christ said in verse 8, verse 8, be not ye called rabbi. For one is your master, even Christ, and all you are brethren. What Christ was saying was, never allow yourself to be called my great one, or rabbi, and never call another human being my great one, or rabbi. That's because to call a person my great one is to call a person superior, because great is superior, just like the Pharisees saw themselves in Luke 18, 1, 11. Luke 18, 11. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican, superior. That's what you're talking about when you say the word rabbi. Now, Christ is not, and the Bible is not condemning respect for teachers, no because it says in 1 Corinthians 12, 28, 1 Corinthians 12, 28, God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, that after that miracles, gifts of healings, helps governments, so forth. 
and Ephesians 4.11, Ephesians 4.11, he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers for the work of the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. What Christ is condemning is the love of being exalted and the grasping for those positions which are all wrapped up in this wrong term, rabbi. Now, then he says in verse 10, one is your master, even Christ. Not self, but Christ. Many people tried to be their own masters and that failed for King Saul, for Herod, for Pharaoh. Who is the Lord that I should obey him, Pharaoh said, and for Judas. So. Instead of allowing yourself to be called superior or the term rabbi or calling somebody else that, he says in verse eight, all ye are brethren, all ye are brethren. In other words, Christ said that we should all see ourselves as equal to each other because we're all sinners. And at the foot of the cross, the land is, the ground is level, all sinners in God's sight. And then he says in verse nine, call no man your father upon earth. Now, this again has to be looked at from this point of view, that this is the pull of the rabbis. The pull of the rabbis is your fathers, your heritage, your forefathers, who you came from. I still remember going to, at the Hollywood Palladium, this big meeting of, uh, her name just escapes me, but, uh, but she had a meeting called uh, Hineni, Behold, and, and it was to Jews who were being influenced to go to Christ, and she said, you are a Jew, and she went on and on. She was quite hypnotic. But anyway, it's all this, your fathers, she was a Holocaust survivor, your fathers, your forefathers, your heritage. Rabbis have said to me, oh, you're Jewish, you need to abandon Christ because your fathers, your forefathers, none of them believed in Christ, so you need to not believe in Christ. That's the pull of the fathers that from a Jewish perspective pull away from Christ and that's why Christ said break the pull in verse nine, verse 10, call no man your father on earth. Instead, Christ said focus on your heavenly father. Focus on him in verse nine. One is your father which is in heaven. Our heavenly father is the one who reveals truth to us, especially the truth that Christ is God. That comes directly from God the Father, as we saw in the case of Peter in Matthew 16, 16, Matthew 16, 16. Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto me, but my Father, which is in heaven. God the Father is the one who draws all men to come to Christ. He's the drawer. In John 6:44, John 6:44, no man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they shall all be taught of God. Father was a term given to teachers in that day, and today priests are called fathers in some churches, and that makes God the Father just downright jealous. Christ said, don't call another human father makes him jealous, it's not good to make God jealous. So, he says, one is, in verse 10, one is your master, even Christ. Christ is our master, which means Christ is our teacher, Christ is our God in life. It's a good thing, it's a good thing to address Christ as rabbi, as my great one. He is the only one that we look to and say, my great one, he's rabbi, or rabboni, as Mary said. 
my great one, or my teacher, or my guide, or my Messiah, or my ruler. This was the problem in the church of Corinth. In the church of Corinth, there was such a strong association with people toward men and not to Christ himself when Paul addressed this in 1 Corinthians 1.11, 1 Corinthians 1.11. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say, that every one of you saith, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I of Cephas, I of Christ. He says, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? And then Christ ends in verse 11. He says, greatest among you, let him be your servant. The greatest person is the one who serves. It's interesting, there's a story that about over 2,000 years before Christ, 2,000 years before Christ, there was an emperor of China said something very significant, he was named Zunus, and when he was dying and passing on the rule of China, the emperorship, to his son, Tunis, he told his son, quote, he said as he's dying, take the scepter, do your virtue and merits. Remember, you are the father of your people, that you are to deal with them as your children, and that the children are not born to serve you. That, that you are born to serve them, and that a king alone is raised up above all the rest that he might alone be able to serve all. Wow. Subjects are not born to serve the king, but the king is born to serve the subjects, and a king alone is raised up above all the people so that he can serve all the people. That's exactly what Christ was saying in verse 11. Verse 11, he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. And then he ends up, Christ ends up in verse 12, verse 12, he that shall humble himself should be exalted. He's speaking when he says he that shall humble himself should be exalted. He's talking about his own personal experience where it says in Philippians 2.5, Philippians 2.5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and things in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And that's why we look to and we admire and we worship Jesus. As it says in Hebrews 12.2, Hebrews 12.2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So God is calling us, and God calls us to just wear humility like clothes, Wear it like it's your clothes. And the thing that happens when we do that is that we worry. Well, if I do that, I'm gonna be stepped on. If I do that, people are gonna take advantage of me if I don't stand up and for myself. But God says, leave the care to me in 1 Peter 5, 5, 1 Peter 5, 5. Be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Let's pray. 
Father, thank you so much for what our Lord Jesus has said in these verses, and we pray, Lord, that we'd hold them in our heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.